Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Welcome back. It's great to be with you today. Over recent years, anti-Semitism has become far more acceptable in our society. Just last weekend, a food festival in Philadelphia barred an Israeli food truck from its event. The organizers of the fair commented that they were responding, quote, out of love to community concerns about the presence of the Israeli vendor. And so here we have opposition to the one Jewish state dressed up as love, justice, and community concerns. In this environment, there's young people on social media trying to fight back on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. There's a lot of college-age Zionists adept at social media who are looking to fight back in real time. The problem is, it's not really working. The Times of Israel recently documented the fatigue that a number of these young people feel in being attacked for standing up for Israel. The internet is, of course, rife with anti-Israel sentiment, and it's not about to go away. Susan Heller Pinto, the ADL Senior Director of International Affairs, recently commented, There's no secret meme that's being developed that someone's going to glance at and say, that explains the complexity of the Israeli-Palestinian situation to me. Social media does not lend itself, she says, to complexity, to nuance, and to deep research. So don't be surprised if we can't beat anti-Semitism on Twitter. Opposition to Israel is as ancient as the Jewish people itself. We're about to read Parshas Balak, where the non-Jewish prophet Bilam declares, Hain am levadad yishkon, Israel is a nation that dwells apart. What's more, Bilam perceived that Amalek was the Reshit HaGoyim, the beginning of opposition to the Jewish people, but by no means the end. People like Balak, Bilam, and the nation of Amalek were the beginning of a long line of opponents that continued to this very day. As we're recording this podcast, we're in the middle of the month of Tammuz, about to begin the three weeks of mourning, a period in the Jewish calendar when we contemplate our exile. If the three weeks are a time that we seek to overcome exile, where do we go from here? And if we can't win the battle on Twitter and Instagram, where can we win it? In today's Torah Journey podcast, we're going to take a deeper look at the fight against anti-Semitism. What role do we as individual Jews play in fighting the dark forces that oppose Israel. The battle on social media points to a problem for the Jewish people. People tend to promote a simplistic but emotional view, say, of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The Palestinians have done a very effective job in painting themselves as the victim in a world where people believe that good and evil boils down to victims and aggressors. But Israel doesn't fit into that worldview. The paradoxes of Israel are many. She is strong and at the same time vulnerable. As the ADL's director noted, social media doesn't do well with complexity and nuance. The one thing we can say about the Jewish people, it's that we're complex. Our father Yaakov was driven to exile where love and sought to uproot him. And eventually Yaakov descended to Mitzrayim. And then the Almighty brought us out of the iron crucible of slavery and gave us the land of Israel to us as he had promised. We developed two states there during the first and the second temple periods. And after Israel was forced into exile, many conquerors came through the land throughout the centuries, but no one formed a state 
until 1948 when the Jews returned to their ancient home after 2,000 years. The formation of the modern state of Israel was an unprecedented miracle. Our relationship with the land and with the nations of the world is complex. Who are the Jewish people and what is our relationship with the land of Israel? What is it about us that so troubles our detractors? We can learn a lot about who we are from those that oppose us. And as we look at our early opponents, perhaps no one is so revealing as Balaam. As the Jewish people made their way to the promised land, they defeated opponents like Sichon and Og. Balak, the king of Moab, could not figure out what to do until he heard about Bilam, the non-Jewish prophet. Balak sent for Bilam and remarked to him, What you bless shall be blessed, and that which you curse shall be cursed, echoing the Torah's description of Avraham. In Bratius, Hashem tells Avraham, Those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you shall be blessed. Now, Bilaam was fine with the idea of using his prowess to curse Israel. There's only one problem, he told Balak. I can only use my great power to curse if the Creator allows it. If I'm not giving permission to curse the Jewish people, what can I do? I'm stuck. When you go on to Instagram or Twitter, you basically have carte blanche to do just about anything you want. Just the other week, the University of Oregon Student Association brazenly accused Israel of genocide on their Instagram account. But that's not how it works when you're working with the tools of prophecy. V'yomer Bilam el Balak, Bilam said to Balak, Hine basi lacha, behold, I have come to you. uchal daber mu'uma, am I empowered to say anything? Hadavar shir yasim elokim b'fi oso adaber, whatever word God puts into my mouth, that I shall speak. Bilam personally learned the lesson of his own helplessness on his way to greet Balak. Try as he might to steer his own donkey, he was unable to do so. Is it any wonder that he'd face a big problem in trying to uproot the whole Jewish people? What follows from the initial blunder is a series of scenes where Bilaam tries his best to curse Israel, but continually falls short. Instead of curse, words of blessing come rolling out of his mouth. Invariably, the blessings are descriptions of the essence of the Jewish people. Critically, this effusive praise of Israel is never about their military prowess or ingenuity or their art, science, and culture. It's always about their connection to the creator of heavens and earth. In fact, the prophecy of Bilaam gets to the heart of why Israel cannot truly be cursed. Ma kov lo kabo el, how can I curse that which God has not cursed? Uma azom lo za'am Hashem, how can I anger? Hashem is not angry. From its origins I see it rock-like, and from hills do I see it. Behold, it is a nation that dwells in solitude, and it is not to be reckoned amongst the nations. Rashi explains that these strong roots are the ancient paths that the Avot initially traversed. The patriarchs forged a path of closeness to the Almighty, and by continuing in that path today, we dwell in solitude. Whether on the university campus of the United Nations, we are a people who dwell apart. In the second blessing, Bilaam describes how there's no false gods in Israel. There's no divination in Jacob and no sorcery in Israel. And what's more, the people will rise up like a lion cub and raise itself like a lion.
Rashi explains that we rise up like a lion cub to do mitzvot in the morning. When they rise up in the morning from their sleep, they are strong like a lion cub and a lion to grab mitzvot, to wear a talus, to write, recite Shema, and to lay tefillin. Perhaps the most famous of the Bilam prophecies came about in the third and final blessing. Matovu Ohalacha Yaakov, Mishkinosachi Israel. How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling place is Israel. Kinachalim Nitayu, Kaganos Ale Nahar, Ka'arazim Ale Mayim. Stretched out like brooks, like gardens by a river, like aloes planted by Hashem, like cedars by water. The tents of Jacob are the private homes of the Jewish people, and Mishkanotech Yisrael, the dwelling places of Israel, are the encampments and the holy places of the nation. The ultimate expression of the goodness of Israel can be seen in the internal strongholds of the Jewish people, the homes in which we raise our children, and the schools and the shoals in which the nation carries forth its mission. In last week's episode, I mentioned my brief trip to Baltimore. During our short trip, I got a small glimpse of the strength of our greater Jewish community. As we exited my daughter's vord, a group of teens flooded into the social hall for some learning with their Rebbe. I learned that this is a weekly event that takes place there, where the teens come in and engage in Torah learning late every Thursday evening. And then I was invited to get a few hours of rest in the home of some friends of a cousin. And here we were, experiencing the warm chesed of a Jewish family we never met. On my way to my room, I saw the clothes and the tzitzit of the kids laid on the floor for the morning. Our hosts greeted us with a spread of food and sent us off with shaliach mitzvah mani. For all the complaints we hear, I find that the Torah community is a unique bastion of Jewish identity and pride. And this gets to the heart of our struggle. We're prone to look at the opposition to Israel. And we need to focus on the inner strength of Israel. Bilaam cannot curse that which is not itself cursed. We need to recognize that internal bracha and realize that we, with God's help, are the source of our own strength. It's hard to think of a greater height than your enemy seeking to curse you and only coming up with words of blessing. Imagine if the president of the UN got up in front of the entire assembly to curse out the state of Israel and could only come up with good things to say about what a humanitarian democracy Israel truly is. After that scenario actually occurred, how could things go wrong for the people of Israel? Well, the answer is things can go south if we allow them to. Following the beautiful descriptions of the tents of Israel, stretched out like gardens by a river, the Jewish people dwelled in Shittim, and there the men began to commit harlotry with the daughters of Moab the very kingdom that sought to curse Israel. Our rabbis teach us this was no coincidence. As the Gemara in Sanhedrin Daf Kufvav 106 teaches us, on his way out the door, Bilaam sought to redeem himself with Balak by acting as a consultant. In effect, he told Moab, if he can't curse the Jewish people, let me give some advice. Get the Jewish people to deviate from those very roots I described. Seduce them with some pretty women and let's see what happens. Men not only strayed in terms of sexual relations, but they also clung to the Moabite gods. Israel became attached to Baal Peor, and the wrath of God flared against Israel. 
As Rashi explains, one step led to the next. The female Moabite would seduce the Jewish men and offer her gods, and plague in Israel followed. So in the final analysis, Bilam was a mouthpiece to describe the state of the Jewish people. When the Jewish people are rock-like according to their origins, then ma'akov lo kabo el. How can I curse that which God has not cursed? On the other hand, when the Jewish people deviate from their origins, the hopes of our enemies begin to come into fruition. As we think about this picture, the following becomes clear. Of course we need to fight anti-Semitism in social media. It makes no sense to be silent. But on the other hand, the Jewish story is complex, deep, and nuanced. We're not about to transmit the depth of who we are via some texts or images on social media. The depth and the beauty of the Jewish people is transmitted through something much more powerful. Matovu Yaakov Israel. The depth of Am Yisrael is transmitted through the Jewish homes and through our shoals and schools and community strongholds. Opposition to the Jewish people is natural. For the moment that we emerged from Mitzrayim, a Amalek came forth as the Reishi Tagoyim, the beginning of opposition, followed by Bilam and many more. Consequently, the Jewish people coexist in a, in a world with our counterforce of anti-Semitism, even as we challenge and oppose it. One of the deepest ways that we can do that is by going back to those ancient hills and mountains that we come from. In this light, the three weeks are not only a time to mourn, but a time to go back to our roots. There's something so striking about the three weeks. The society around us is just getting immersed in the funnest time of year, bathing suits, outdoor sports, fireworks, and so much more. And yet the Jewish people are starting that period of mourning. We're fasting, delaying our weddings. As the period continues, the mourning becomes more and more intense from the three weeks to the nine days to Tisha B'Av itself. The lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer are marked by restraint and even prohibitions. But it's not just a time of restraint. It's a time of action. We study the halachas. We teach our children about the Beis HaMikdash. We study our past and we consider what it means for our future. As we observe these three weeks with our children, with our families, with our community, we come back to this. Our own inner world is our Jewish strength, and every one of us can be part of that. Whether attending Minyan at Shul, making sure that our Shabbos table is alive with Zmiros, doing a chesed for our neighbors, or learning Torah in our own homes at night. There are, these are concrete steps to make sure that our own home is a stronghold of Jewish identity, even if we live by ourselves. And by being a part of our Jewish community, we strengthen Mishkanotachi Israel, the dwelling places of the Jewish people. Rebuilding has a double meaning now in this year, as we rebuild not only the base of Mikdash of the future, but our own shoals right now after the virus. Just by partaking in Jewish life, we're rebuilding in the here and now and for the future. We live in a world of exile and seemingly intractable problems. As Jews dedicated to holiness, surely a counterforce does exist. But as we strengthen our own Oel Yaakov and the tabernacles of Israel, we also know that we'll triumph. As Bilam reminded us, I see it rock-like from its origins. Israel dwells in solitude, 
and cannot be reckoned amongst the nations. Thank you for joining me. If you've benefited from this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.